When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome into the pre-draft edition of the Purple Podcast. I am Matthew Collar along with Judd Zolgad. Hey, where's Ben Gessling ben of ESPN? Gessling I miss Ben is, Gessling. He is on the campus at Bristol of ESPN okay. and he is there helping with their draft coverage throughout the week. So we are on our own, Judd, which means we can do whatever we want. But tell the people what we're going to do this weekend after the draft gets done on Saturday. Party? Well, before we party, we're going to do a special edition of the Purple Podcast where we will welcome back Ben Gessling because we never get tired of special editions of the Purple Podcast. (laughs) Yes, we do. We will come back and we will break down everything that the Minnesota Vikings have done in the draft. But until then, we've got a few things on the docket here. I have done my final draft simulation, Judd. I know you love these. I had a couple of people email me their draft simulations and ask me to analyze them. Okay. So what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to run down my draft simulation, and you're going to react to the picks. And uh, I know that you have not gone full draft, Nick, that you know everything about the guys. So I'll give you a little detail on them, and you could tell me what you think if the Vikings did that or something similar when the second through fourth round picks. That sound good? That sounds very good to me. But first, I think, Judd, we have to talk a little bit about Teddy Bridgewater news that came out today. That uh, This is from Adam Schefter, mm-hmm. that the Vikings do not plan on picking up his fifth-year option. And this was something that we weren't really sure about because there are so many NFL rules when it comes to contracts. It's like, all right, what is the best move for a guy that had such a devastating injury when his fifth-year option is on the horizon? Yes, and so the the fifth-year option for Bridgewater would actually be for the 2018 season. Uh, Subsequently, a report came out from Ian Rappaport, though, 
that so 2017 is technically then the last year of Bridgewater's contract. If Teddy Bridgewater starts the season on the physically unable to perform list, Matthew, and never comes off through all of 2017, interestingly, his contract for one year tolls, which means that while I'm sure he would be paid uh, the base salary for his 2017 deal, the contract would technically never move in years. So 2018 would also be under the same terms as 2017, and now it becomes no big deal that you didn't pick up that option because you get him back at the same discounted price. And I can see, I think there is a very good chance, a very good chance that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't even take the practice field in 2017. Therefore, the fifth-year option becomes not a concern whatsoever. That's my guess. I think the report that came out a while back from Jason Cole of Bleacher Report where he said that Bridgewater was not expected to play this year, I think that's what eventually turns out to be right, that we don't see Teddy Bridgewater at all at any point during this season. He stays on that list, and then it's 2018. The biggest question will be, can he really come back? The thing that's happening at the same time converging with this is that Sam Bradford's contract is up after the season. Now, that makes it especially difficult because if you just wanted to go right back to Teddy in 2018, you better be sure that the knee is fixed, like really super-duper sure that the knee is ready to go and handle NFL football. And even though that's a long time for him to rehab and it kind of goes along the suggested timeline of two years that it would take for him, there is no guarantee that he will be able to play again which leaves you on really rocky ground with what to do with Sam Bradford's contract. So if you're the Vikings, I think what what you're desperately trying to do right now for the next year is just buy yourself time. How does Bradford do in 2017? If Bradford plays well, do do you sign him to an extension? Does Bridgewater, does his legs start to come around? Here's where, here's the next intriguing thing for me. Pollyanna pie in the sky says the Vikings buy themselves all this time in the world and things go great with Bradford and Bridgewater comes back and he flies back in and the leg is great and everything works out. And now you have a quarterback competition and that's not, that's not how life works. Uh, The next thing that's going to happen here, I think after the draft at some point is there's going to be a national report that the Tom Condon agent camp from Bradford's side has gone to the Vikings and said time to pony up for an extension. They're going to put pressure on, on the Vikings to do an extension, the Vikings then are going to have to make a decision. Do they extend Bradford or do they just chance it? And worst case, he's good in 2017 and they franchise him in 2018, which while theoretically very possible, also puts you in a salary cap dilemma. And don't forget, Rhodes contract is coming up. So this is this is going to be very interesting. And I would make this statement long term over the next year plus. Uh, I think part of the way that Rick Spielman is going to be judged and his future is very much going to depend on how the Vikings quarterback situation is handled. Because Mm -hmm. this is going to be, this might seem simple, it's going to get dicey, I think. I agree with you that it's going to get dicey, but what they've done here this offseason is they've set up Sam Bradford to at least have a chance to succeed to at least remove all of the possible excuses. Because last year, now you and I saw the Thanksgiving Day game against Detroit where he could not throw down the field or make a big play when it was required to win that game, an interception at the end. There was no pressure on Sam Bradford in that game whatsoever. 
it was not always the offensive line with Sam Bradford would be my point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that he wasn't really good at times. There were, there were games where he was fantastic, but it's games like that where you go, does this guy just have some limitations to his ability to read and react and move in the pocket that will keep him away from really being a great quarterback and just have him being okay? Well, they're going to get that question answered because last year it was, well, North Turner and well, TJ Clemmings and well, no running game. This year they've signed a running back. They've signed two tackles and they made his own personal offensive coordinator, the full-time OC in Pat Shermer. So they'll probably draft another weapon later in my simulation. They oh, do judge. Yes, later in my simulation, you've he's got, got another a, weapon. You've got a dog um, and a wife, and they might be second and third right now to your draft simulator. <laughs> Matthew Collar's true loves draft simulator, wife, dog, the rest of the family. My um, my wife works early on some days. Uh, She's a news reporter, and someday she has to go in at 4 o'clock in the morning, and so that means she's going to bed early. So, you know, I'm on the internet late <laughs> most doing, dra- <laughs> doing most, draft Most sims. guys surf the, surf the net for certain things. You're <laughs> surfing it for draft sims. <laughs> Yes. But uh, anyway, with with Bradford, because this is going in a bad direction. Yes, it is. Um, With Sam Bradford, he's got an opportunity with everything that they're putting around him to prove that he can be a quarterback you can legitimately win with or compete for a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Now it's can he do it? He Mm -hmm. has the arm talent to do it. He's a former first overall pick. He's flashed it at times during his career, but never put it together. And I, I think about Kirk Cousins for this and how the Washington team put so much around him. Great offensive line, great wide receivers, and their offense was pretty explosive, but I think with an 8-8 eight eight record, you still saw, well, Kirk Cousins is not quite there yet, and that's why they haven't signed him to a long-term contract, or maybe will probably never get there to compete with your Aaron Rodgers and your Matt sure. Ryan. And Washington knows this. We gave him everything we ever could have given him, and we ended up 8-8. Eight eight. GM got blown out, too, there. Yep. And if you have um, if you have Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers in that situation, they probably go 15-1 and one with that team. It was so outrageous with Jordan Reed, and Trent Williams is a, maybe the best tackle in the league, and they've got Deshaun Jackson as your deep And Cousins flashes, flashes at times, but, yeah, the consistency's not there. Here's my question with the Vikings is do you do you buy yourself as much time as possible to see how Bradford does based on Bradford solely or if come November or December he's playing well not great but let's just say well and it comes back that Bridgewater's basically done I mean you've done what you can do do you then base your decision on Bradford's future on that because this is I I told Phil this too on the show. The one thing about quarterback is it's one position in sports that sends executives into blind panics. Mm-hmm. And and Spielman, like most football people, is a very prideful guy, and he traded a first-round pick for Bradford, which is a big deal. So as much as you'd like to think that the decision is going to be purely rational and make sense, I'm not positive it will. So I, I am curious what the trigger for Bradford extension would be. Would it be Bradford's own success based solely on what he does, or is it going to be based on, oh, my God, Teddy really is done. Now we don't have a quarterback. If we don't have Sam, let's give Sam a three-year contract. Well, there's one thing that they can't do, and that's, wow, 
the Vikings are 5-1, and one and Bradford's one of the top quarterbacks in the league, so we're going to sign him to a five-year contract extension. We've seen that movie before yeah. last year. That Now, again, he has a pretty decent overall year, and you got maybe more than you even expected when you traded for him for his overall statistics at the end of the year. Win seven out of 15 games, you would want more than that when you traded for him. Um, but, you know, Blair Walsh did miss an extra point that lost you one of those games. So you can go through that. Um, but he got off to that insane start in those first couple of games and then regressed a little further back to what he really is mm-hmm. over the last few weeks. And that's why this year, if he gets off to five, six weeks hot start, you can't say, OK, we're set. We know he's our guy. You have to make him prove it, which does make it tricky for you. But you mentioned the franchise tag is always an option. And I would much rather have that in my back pocket, knowing it could do damage at other positions because no position is close to as valuable as quarterback. So I would prefer to wait and see how it plays out and then know I have that. So make him go 11 and five, make him go 12 and four to prove to you that he can really be that quarterback. And if you're eight and eight again, drafting one next year yeah that's 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 the way i look at it you're not going well that's fine yep it's going to be far more intriguing if they got off to a good start and and don't do an extension based on this football teams the one thing that is complete bs is football teams say oh distractions don't get to us right if sam bradford gets off to a five and old start it's going to become a national story the vikings have a quarterback in their last year and sam bradford's playing well why don't you extend him the team will try and tell you well that doesn't matter it will though and people will start showing up and asking Bradford about it, both both locally and nationally. Um, there's a lot of moving parts here. As we discuss this, it sounds very simple. But there's a lot of things that in the heat of the season start to happen that are very intriguing to watch unfold. And if they get off to a good start and the team still says, well, hold on a second, it's five games, not 16 games, it is going to add an element that they are not going to like. And I'm curious if they can then still say, but no, you know what? We got off to a great start last year and we collapsed, so we're going to make Sam prove it. Saying make Sam prove it is probably the right thing. I just don't know if it's the thing that they can actually do. Let me run through these with you. Best, most likely, and worst case scenario for this situation. I'll give you my best. My best is that Bradford plays well enough to get you into the playoffs, but Teddy's knee miraculously heals and he's back to 100%, and they let Sam Bradford go. They make the playoffs. Probably don't win the Super Bowl, but make the playoffs with Bradford. He's just good enough, but not good enough to make you stay with him forever. You turn back to Teddy Bridgewater in 2018 and happily ever after because I believe that a 100% Teddy Bridgewater, plus way younger than Sam Bradford, can be better. That's my best case scenario is that you got out of Bradford what you asked. You were competitive. You got to the playoffs. You made it for an exciting season, but now... Back to your franchise guy. That's my best case. Do you want to give your best case, or do you want me to run through all of them? Keep going. Okay, my most likely is that Bradford is somewhere in the middle of the league again. There's still a lot of unsure feelings about Teddy's knee and whether it's actually recovered. Bradford throws 20 touchdowns, 8 picks, completes a high number, not a lot of yards per attempt. Again, they win 9 games, either just make it or just miss, 
and you're not still really sure. And there's some excuses. One lineman gets hurt. Yep. One receiver get, Let's say Thielen goes down for four games so that you could say, oh, Thielen was down for four games. That's why he wasn't good. Mm-hmm. As if no one else goes through any of this. But anyway, that to me is what is most likely and is also very close to worst case. Sure. <laughs> because sure, yeah. I also think that if you have Bradford be just good enough but not quite great, then it's a very, very hard decision. And I also think in worst case, Teddy Bridgewater never plays again. That's always the that, worst. That's, that's, easily, that's worst case. easily the worst case. Yep. Yes. Uh, best case, best case Vikings wise is the Bradford plays well. Uh, Teddy, because you're, I don't think there's any magic potion here. That's going to give you the absolute knowledge that Teddy can come back until he, he can actually compete for the job again in 2018. Uh, you, you probably have to sign Bradford to a short-term extension of some sort or continue to franchise him. 2018, everybody comes back and they compete for a job. That's best case. Uh, most likely, most likely is, is where I think this very well is going, which is Sam Bradford's going to get a contract extension of at least three years within the next few months. And the realization is that Teddy's probably done. Mm-hmm. And Teddy come and bet and best case under the most likely for Teddy is that he's probably done, but they bring him back as a backup for a couple of years and then he rides off into the sunset and says, Yet yeah, I can't play. Um I just I understand the franchise tag is there, but watching what Cousins and the Redskins have been willing to go through there, I don't know that the Vikings can stomach it. I uh, Brzezinski, their salary cap guy, is really, really good, and he's going yep. to urge them time and time again. I'd rather do an extension because if you're the cap guy and you take on a franchise quarterback hit, it's enormous mm-hmm. and it's a huge pain. And all of a sudden, bringing back Rhodes and all, all these contracts becomes really difficult. I also think what we're forgetting is that Spielman's pride is tied up in the fact that he ended up giving up the 14th overall pick, which is a lot h- higher than the Bridgewater pick for Bradford, and. In Spielman's mind, I think he has now attached himself firmly mm-hmm. to Sam Bradford. The other, uh, I'll nominate another best case scenario. Sam Bradford is the worst thing ever, and you go three and thirteen. <laughs> I am serious about this. And then I the think, Wild and the Vikings both blow it up. <laughs> I think you know how I feel about tanking, but I think uh, that this is another good scenario because then you are dead sure. That Sam Bradford is not the guy. Your GM's fired then, and your coach might be as well. Yeah, so your GM's gone. That's not best case for those guys. No, but I'm just saying at that point but, in time, you're bringing in somebody new to rebuild right. it. For the trajectory of the franchise and for this situation, if that happens, fans will feel terrible about their season. They'll feel like it was a nightmare, but you will have <laughs> one problem majorly solved, and yeah. you will be able to draft one of the best quarterbacks in the draft next year and kind of start from square so, one back there. So your scenario is new GM comes in, gets a clean slate, possibly the top overall pick in the draft. 2016 draft class completely craps out. Bradford craps out. Everything Spielman's done just gets him fired, and you just basically say, we are starting anew, and in three years you're good. That would be right. a best case. That's Now, under how likely it is, almost zero. How about Chuck I mean, Fletcher takes the Vikings yeah, job and, we, and yeah. we see what he can well, do? Well, I'm not saying that that is what you want this year. You would much rather take a Super Bowl or a, a playoff appearance and a very good year from Sam Bradford, I think. But how about this scenario? What if Sam Bradford gets hurt 
like in preseason. And Which, you, by the way, is very possible. It's he, possible, He went yes. through the entire year last year not getting hurt, and he's missed two full seasons. So now what do we end up with? Case Keenum? Yeah. Colin Kaepernick? What what do you end Case up Keenum. with at that point? Probably Case Keenum, Case Keenum. which means 6-10, and ten, right? And then you move yeah, on from probably. Sam Bradford because you're concerned that he's yeah. going to get hurt in the future. I don't yeah. know where that I is right. for best case, worst case. I feel like in a way you would have the problem solved with the quarterback situation, but also a, lot of problems solved. a season completely blown up is not good. Do you know what it's time for, in my opinion? It's time for the draft, draft sim. simulator. Yes, yes. While men are at playboy.com all night long, Matthew Collars at <laughs> draft simulator. Have you, you ever heard the Westwood playboy, one? The, house, whatever. the Westwood one guy, if you're listening to like Monday oh, Night Football. Have I heard? Draft simulator time. Brought to you by Wranglers. <laughs> yes, I love yes, Westwood yes. one guy. Uh, anyway, yes. I, let's I go. think that, that that's got to be edited uh, sound. Okay, all right. So. In this scenario, I do not see the Vikings trading up back into the first round. So we're just going to stick with all sure. of the picks that they have, sure. and I will go through them, and you can react. Okay. So with the 48th overall pick, the Vikings select Evan Ingram, who is a tight end from Ole Miss. I will give you a couple of details about Evan Ingram. He ran a 4.4240 at the NFL Combine, Fast which is – insane it's way faster than treadwell in fact it's faster than most of the wide receivers but he's 6'3 230 okay. and you would normally think oh well he can't block then but he kind of can he's not totally incapable of doing other tight end things he's been compared to jordan reed and really his lack of girth because he's 230 not 260 yep. is the reason he'll fall probably to the second round although his draft buzz has him this might he might not quite get there, but it's but it's possible. Okay. So uh, a vertical threat, explosive tight end with the 48th overall pick. Is this a Rudolph replacement or compliment? I think it can be both A and B because next year Kyle Rudolph can be let go with basically no penalty, and uh, he's going to make $7.6 million on the cap. So sure. I think you need a future tight end, but also in a Pat Shermer offense, if you remember Zach Ertz and Brent Selleck in Philadelphia where they're two tight ends, this guy's a nightmare matchup. That's one thing you don't have on this team at all. And it caters to Bradford. It, Once again, it's catering yes. to Bradford. It absolutely caters to Bradford. Um, I told you my feeling, and I don't know exactly why, but Zimmer was brought here to stop offenses, not build them himself. My feeling is that the Vikings are going to surprise with the second-round pick by going defense. And I think there's a very good chance they go defensive tackle. I would say there is a better chance. There is just as good a chance Sharif Floyd's career is done as Bridgewater. Mm -hmm. That three technique in Zimmer's defense is a huge position. And I'm sorry, you can't just plug in a backup guy and say, I hope that works. So my feeling is they're going to look for that position in the second round. I I agree in some ways because I think that three technique is very important. You need a run stuffer there. They don't have that on the roster right now. So unless there's a free agent out there, which I don't think there is, that you can find as a run stuffer, uh, you're kind of up a creek right now with that three technique. However, I would say that one thing that stuck out to me with Rick Spielman in our conversation with him in the press conference was just that he was talking about Pat Shermer's influence on this draft 
and how they have talked with Shermer a lot about the type of players that fit. And that's what points me toward the most interesting tight end and the most talented tight end that will be available in the second round that Shermer might be able to influence them enough. I also think this about Zimmer. Mm -hmm. Zimmer has talked a lot from the very end of the season to the combine about working more on the offensive side, Mm -hmm. trying to understand offense better. And he is desperate to not finish in the lowest part of the NFL next year when it comes to offense. I think he realizes after a couple of years, okay, we've been in the very, very bottom and our quarterbacks haven't been that bad. It's not like we were running Case Keenum as a starter. What's going on here? And part of it is that you have not had one of these tight ends that is a uh, Jimmy Graham type of player. Makes sense. I just... The Spielman press conference to me is all about putting out storylines that mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily true. So while I'm sure that that Shermer has been consulted with quite a bit, I always feel like that last uh, pre-draft press conference is is a misdirection play. Yeah. So sure. I look at what he says and say and say to myself, I bet they're going to do the opposite of that. That's not saying that I don't think that uh, that they'll use the two third round picks, for instance, on offense. I just have a feeling second round it's going to be defense, but I like the idea of a tight end, especially a reliable one. So if if they made that pick, it's a good pick third round with the 79th overall pick the Vikings select Antonio Garcia from Troy, a left tackle potential left tackle in the third round. You are not getting any guarantees of starting left tackles. If you were, you'd be getting him in the first round, but I will tell you a little bit about Antonio Garcia, not the highest level of competition playing at Troy, but a former basketball player, six foot six, very athletic. So if you're talking about how TJ Clemmings had those edge rushers, just run around him. That will be harder. If Antonio Garcia ends up turning out because he's got great footwork and he's a great athlete. That is what's uh, got people intrigued by him. However, keeping on the weight might be an issue because Uh-oh, he back a little too. I know he was playing at about 200, 280, 290 when you really want them to be around 310 or more. Yes. Uh, are, are we talking about a guy who begins his career as a backup and can play some guard as well? Can he can he swing around or I, is he only a tackle? I think he's more of only a tackle. Okay. I've only seen him listed as a tackle. There are lots of guys where you see listed as a tackle complain, guard. I'm um, fine with this by the he way. He is definitely a future guy. He is okay. not someone you will play. But Riley Reese not your your answer for the next 10 years either. Right. So yes, this sounds this sounds very palatable to me and a third round pick for Spielman when it comes to uh, tackles and the line is a big improvement on what we've seen in the last whatever 5 years. Now, again, two offensive two offensive picks and with my third pick in the third round, it's going to be another offensive pick. I selected guard Isaac Asiata, cousin of Matt Asiata, okay. by the way. And uh, one of the similarities between the two, power. That uh, Isaac Asiata is a big, mean, powerful guard, mm-hmm. and he may not be the best in pass protection, but is terrific when it comes to the run. He's got strength. Uh, he can get to what they you know call the next level oh, I like and start next level. Yep, start, second level. Start knocking around linebackers and smaller guys. So he's got that mean streak that comes along with him. So that's right now would be a tight end and two offensive linemen. How would you feel at that point? Well, it doesn't matter how I feel. It, it's more important how Zim feels. And Zim's <laughs> thinking to himself, where's my defensive guy? Um, no, I think 
if they don't address the offensive line early in their draft this year, they're absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. So your your two third round picks, I endorse. I like. You can't continue to go down the path of trying to think to yourself, "I'm going to get cute and use late round draft picks on a position that last year you threw a, you initially threw a lot of people at the line last year. The question's not people; it's quality. So I like it. Um, now, I think he it's could, a good um, idea. He could compete for the starting job, but is more li- more likely to be a backup. But last year when backups had to play, it was disastrous. Correct. So you figure if you've got a guy who's a fairly high pick, maybe if there's an injury, then you get to slide him in. I still think that the Vikings should sign Evan Mathis or Jari Evans because Jeremiah Searles at guard scares me. And there's a bunch of guys that could just be let go off of this. But group. if you, but at least if, if you had a developmental guy who was competent behind Searles, and Searles is bad and craps out quickly, you've got a guy to right. plug in there as opposed to a guy off the street who is absolutely awful. Right. Correct. So I'm all for this fourth round draft pick, number one twenty overall, wide receiver Chad Hansen from Cal. He is tall, six foot two. He can go down the field. I was watching a, a game of his. He's really good at tracking the ball in the air and uh, going up and getting it. Always good to do that. Winning at the point of attack is what they call it too. Uh, he's strong and he's fast. He runs under a four five and is six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds. Uh, a guy who kind of just showed up on the scene this year at Kale, which is one of the reasons that he was available in the fourth round in this simulation. Who's his it, comp? Who's a comp? Gosh, I don't know who his comp was. Uh, I think Alan Hearns was the guy that NFL.com used, okay. but that's kind of hard for people to picture. Um, I mean, is, is there a guy maybe that like, you could think of who he would be like? Um, gosh, I mean, maybe like a Mike Wallace. Okay. Um, for his ability to Vertical go down, threat, get, down the okay. field, right, but maybe not quite as fast as Mike Wallace. But when you're throwing deep to him, he can spot the ball, he can go up and get the ball, and he's tall enough and fast enough to create some separation to do so. So it's it's a vertical threat, but he's not solely a vertical threat. Okay. So you're getting a wide receiver here in the fourth. I'm fine with that, too. I'm So far, I don't hate your second-round pick in the sim. I don't know. I, I agree with it, but I think in the third round and that pick, absolutely fine. And my, my guess is we're very close, I'll take a guess, to a running back being drafted. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR Me, ASAP. I did not draft a running back in this sim. Really? I thought you were Mr. Ron- I thought you were going to take a running back for sure. Well, here's what happened. I got to the positions, the spots in the draft, in the simulation. It runs through who everybody picks. And the guys that I would have wanted were either gone when I got there. So, like, an Elvin Kamara was not there in the second. So I thought, okay, all right, I'm looking at skill. I'm looking at who can make an impact on the offense. And then as we go later in the draft, there just isn't a guy that really caught my eye that was better than things they still needed. Because right now, since I've drafted two receiving options and two offensive linemen, I haven't touched the defense yet. And as you mentioned, I haven't touched running back. I haven't touched uh well any position on defense so it's like all right well what do i do and what i did with the next pick is i did address defense with tanzel smart a defensive lineman from tulane he had uh, a couple tackler end uh defensive tackle okay he had a couple of really good years there at tulane put up a ton of tackles for loss he 
no, like he play. He's he's like a player. You know what I mean? He's got the instincts, football and, player, and he's got great drive. Loves the game. Got, yes, yes, loves the game. He loves the game. Motor's all high. that stuff is in there. High motor, all of those things. That's what type of player he is. Yep. Problem is, he is a little short for the position. He oh, no. small hands. He's I don't know if he's got small hands. Sharif had the small hands, but yeah. It's, Right, and he's amazing. So don't pay attention to the hand size. That. That's one of I the funniest that. things. I love the hand. I know size Rick Spielman dropped arm length. Beluga had the other short day. arms. Like, Packers were oh Packer fans were very upset. Yeah, Brian Beluga's arms were too short. Need longer arm Mile, guys. Yes. Um, well, with this guy though, his ceiling. We're talking about a late fourth round pick here. His ceiling is not Sharif Floyd. It's could he be a guy who plays downs for you or is a backup for you? Because Shamar Stefan, to me, last year proved that that can't be him, that he just can't fill that role for very long. Right. So you're bringing in another body to compete for a spot. It isn't going to be your starter, yep. so it's probably going to have to be Dayton Jones, but it gives you a little more depth there, hopefully. Okay. We are at the point in the draft where it's, uh, maybe, we'll see. He's got this, 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 but this. Damn it, it's still important. But the fact that he loves football, has the high motor. But, but you're yes. still very much in the ability to find uh, guys that, that can pan out for you. And the last pick that I'll give you, because the sixth and seventh round, people aren't going to know them, and it doesn't really matter because they probably won't make the team, is Josh Dobbs in the fifth, the quarterback from Tennessee. I think the situation we just talked about. Yep. If you add to the mix a potential backup in the future who does have a chance to develop, very few late-round quarterbacks have that chance to develop. Mm -hmm. This guy being as smart as he is with great athleticism and was excellent when throwing under pressure, I like all those things for me to take a chance in the fifth round. Though you could say, why didn't you take the running back or something like that? If you're talking fifth-round running backs, you have almost no chance of getting it right. So worst-case scenario... Dobbs is probably your backup quarterback and well along with Keenum but he could just sit he could be on the practice squad whatever Heineke's off the team but but next year Dobbs would be your backup quarterback and you would have a whole year to see if there's anything really there and maybe there's a chance that you end up with a guy who could eventually take that job so do you so is this pick uh did you take Dobbs because you really like him or does Dobbs fall under the Matthew Collar theory, which I know is take a running back each year, and yes, some of them might fall off the ship and be terrible, but if you hit on one... Oh, in the, the quarterback, you mean? Or, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, quarterback. So does this fall under the, you really like Dobbs, or your theory about quarterbacks? I think it's a combination of both, because I think if you're drafting them in the sixth and seventh round, 99.9% of the time, you're throwing that pick in the ocean. How about Tom Brady? How about Tom Brady? <laughs> I that's love that that's one. I know that's the point one right there. Most of the time you're throwing it in the ocean. Yes. With this guy though, I'm taking him in the fifth. Fourth and fifth round does sometimes hit. Fourth round especially. I think in real life Dobbs goes before this. I think you're looking at like third round for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he is an athlete that checks off the boxes at the combine to go along with those other things mm-hmm. makes me intrigued enough to go for it. I also think that even though it is 99%, it's a 99% don't work out of all picks in the sixth and seventh or fifth round. Sure. So one of them has the chance to turn into winning the lottery as opposed to maybe you get Jordan Howard and you've got a good running back. Well, you still lose 13 games, even though you've got a good running back. If Dobbs hits, then you might have something there that solves a bunch of problems in the future. And I think that that's worth it. If, at very worst, I think with Dobbs, 
you're solving a backup quarterback problem, and then you don't have to pay a guy like Sean Hill or Case Keenum. I mean, you think about they're taking up cap space you, and money. Do you like Dobbs enough to uh, to go back and take him in a sim in the third round? No, I need the offensive lineman, I okay. think. I think in the third round for other teams, I think, yes, I would. But I think I need those offensive linemen in the third round. I, I They cannot well, walk if you're convinced, out of this draft without two offensive linemen. I, I agree think. with you. I guess the question for me becomes if you're convinced Dobbs is the real deal and he's falling. I mean, we have seen far too many teams with quarterbacks try and prioritize them as first-round picks, and then every once in a while a couple guys break loose, and not all the time, but sometimes fall to the third round, and you come back two years after that, you're like, what the hell happened? So I guess it, go, it comes down to if you see the guy falling, do you say to yourself, no, he's just too damn good, I'm going to grab him? I think it, I would look at it this way, that if Dobbs really hits, the reason I wouldn't take him till the fourth or fifth is if he, if he hits and he becomes an NFL starter, he's still probably only going to be an average NFL starter. This guy does okay. not have arm talent to be sure. Aaron Rodgers. More likely or Russell than, Wilson. Yeah, more likely than not, he does not have that talent. If you think about even number one, number two overall quarterbacks, what is the chance that a number one or two overall quarterback becomes Andrew Luck? It's still like, what, 20% maybe? Even if you're taking it there, there's so many flops. So if you're thinking about anywhere down Absolutely. the list, uh, I think I need to take my more important positions first. Now, Russell Wilson is a is an example, though, kind of that's different because he's brought up in these conversations. He had everything at a first round pick has except for height. Yes. And that's ridiculous. And that's, that's just ridiculous. That's, NFL being NFL scare teams off. It's right. True. And that should have never happened. So that's a little different. Dak Prescott that, you know, he did have reasons to take him in the fourth round, but he got dropped into a flawless well, situation. He got, didn't he get, didn't Dak get the Dewey too shortly before the draft he did. And teams freak out. Yep. I mean, that's the thing about it. If you get in trouble, in fact, it's, I've seen a couple stories come out this week of guys now, who it's turned out that they've either been recently arrested or something happened. I mean, that scares teams off. It does, yes. That scares teams. In, in fact, the defensive tackle is a Florida State kid. Caleb Brantley's from Florida. Yeah. Florida, he was mocked to the Vikings. Who the Vikings, I'm sure, love, but now he's gotten in trouble, and so now teams are going to go back in and do their due diligence, they'll say, but it's going to scare some teams off, no question. What did you think of that yesterday? Well, first of all, grade my mock or my uh, my sim. What would you grade it? Uh, How did I do? Uh, I, li- I like the second-round pick. I don't necessarily agree with going in that direction. I don't hate the pick itself, but I don't know the, the position I ag- agree with. Uh, I love the third round. I think that's absolutely perfect. Uh, I like the fourth round and the cor- the quarterback argument I can go both ways on. So I would give you a good solid B minus. How's that? Okay, I'd B give minus. You a B- if you want me to grade your mock, I will give you a B minus based on the fact that I probably don't agree with the first pick that you, you made. Now, here's a question for you. When you did the sim and you got to pick number 48, mm-hmm. was Joe Mixon on the board? And um, did you pass on let him? Let me look because I listed the guys that were on the board. Joe Mixon was not on the board. Okay. He was taken by that, that point. But I will tell you this. If I were the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, I would not select Joe Mixon. That's where I stand on that. I'm not. If they do it, I'm not going to destroy them for it. But if it were me, there is no chance that I would take Joe Mixon. Are you taking in the a, second? Are you taking a moral stand as the GM, or are you taking a football stand in the fact that you don't think he's worth the potential headache? 
uh, largely based on, let's start with this. I've heard a lot of people say, well, they should take Joe Mixon. He's a great talent, and, and if, he gets in tr- if he gets in trouble again, it's a one-strike deal, and he's gone. Okay, that's how GMs lose their job. Yes, like it, if you take Joe Mixon right. at 48 and he gets a DWI or gets in a fight in a bar in November and he's got one strike and I go to Ziggy Wilf and I say, I told you if Joe Mixon got in trouble, he's gone. And now he's gone. Guess what? I'm probably gone, too. Uh-huh. So are you doing it based on a moral stand that you would take as the GM or are you doing it on a it's too big a risk football stand? I will say both. One. Committing an act like he did always would make you think if this person is capable of that they're probably capable of doing it again even if they tell you a thousand times over that they're not like every person who's ever hit a woman ever will always say that's the last time i'm doing it no one does it and then says you know i was planning on doing that next thursday but you talked me out of it right if you're capable it's not funny but yes, it, I get it concerns me very much yes. that someone capable of that would be capable of doing it again. Yes. And also just that act in general is so disturbing to me and the video is so disturbing to me that I wouldn't want that person around. I just wouldn't want to subject my fan base to it. Uh, I would I would care about the people in the stands having to watch him play football. And I know I've heard a lot, well, lots of guys do lots of things, right? But there's a sliding scale. There's this guy smoked a bunch of pot. Well, oh, well. That doesn't disturb me a lot. That's legal in some states. But when it comes to this, there's probably a thousand people sitting in your stands every week who have been through that. And I can't get those people out of my mind when I think about drafting him. So that's that is the moral side of it. The other side of it is I need my second round pick to work. I really need it. And that and that I think from a football standpoint is the most fair thing to say. Uh, From what Spielman said at his press conference on Tuesday, uh, he answered a question about Mixon by talking about troubled players and attempting not to address Mixon solely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he invoked the key to me, though, ownership. Owner, He said owners are in the room, which leads me to believe that Zim and Spielman have been told, you're not taking this guy, Right. Uh, which I'm fine with. The thing about Mixon that would really concern me is, one, he did this despicable act. He got suspended for the entire 2014 season for it. Okay, keep in mind, we didn't see the video until December. But nonetheless, somebody knew enough about this that that a program, which is all about football, suspended him for an entire season. He then came back last season and got suspended for another game because mm-hmm. he got a ticket, I believe, from a parking lot attendant and somehow verbally accosted that person enough. That leads me to believe that he hasn't learned his lesson. And, it, and a lot of the stuff now that, that we've seen from him profusely apologizing – is the video got out, it's really it's awful and incredibly damning, and now he's sorry. I think he's conveniently sorry. And I've seen I've covered way too many guys in football especially, but sports, who have been conveniently sorry. It doesn't mean they get it, and it doesn't mean that next time if the camera is off or they, they think it's off collar, that they won't try the same stupid thing. So there's just too many red flags. And I come back to what you just said. And this shouldn't be the priority, but if I'm the Vikings, it is. I can't have a one strike policy with my second round pick. Uh-huh. Like I can't, I can't get a phone call at three in the morning during my bye week that Joe Mixon's gotten in trouble, and so his strike is gone. And now I have to go and say I've released my second round pick. I can't afford that, yeah, especially if he's playing well. I yeah, mean, no of- interest. I have no interest in that. Um, the upside might be fantastic. 
but the pitfall to it downside is enormous. Yeah. Well, so, there's, I'm with you. There's another point to this too, which is we're talking about a running back here. Yeah. Position. We are not Phil talking about now. That. Now I would not have taken Jameis Winston. I would have selected Marcus Mariota for the same exact reason as I just laid out. But if it's Jameis Winston, you can understand why a team would say, I know this guy is a bad guy, but he can change our franchise. And really, he already has. They were 9-7 and seven last year after being a total disaster well, in that, right on the cusp of the playoffs. In that case, I think with a player like that because of the position, the hope is, or, or what you try and sell the fan base, he's going to mature, right? Yeah, right. He's yeah. going to mature. And Winston did a lot of stupid things. But I'm sorry, there's not, I don't believe, unless I'm wrong here, that there's a video of Winston doing something that awful. Yeah, well, there is a whole documentary laying out all the evidence against him, and it's not a great look. I also know that uh, from covering Buffalo, there was another player who was there yep. who put something on Facebook that intimated that... Uh, Mr. Winston was not clean at that point, but oh, that's not good. Then. But so yeah, no, that right, that then. would have all of that together would have made me go, uh, uh-uh, uh, yep, no way. Good. That's good. The, can I make another point just off of this? I listened to Rick Spielman say yesterday all these things about we've got all these consultants, we've got all these people who are involved in the process of looking into people's backgrounds, and you guys don't know anything, and on and on and on and on, right? Yes. And I couldn't help thinking of big tobacco and CTE. That if you pay someone to do a study and you're looking for certain results, that they will find a way to find them, right? That the NFL had their doctors find no connection between brain injuries and concussions and, and long-term problems. And that Big Tobacco found no evidence that tobacco finds cancer or causes cancer, right? Just like... I don't know, a bunch of these players. Uh, Prince Shembo, how about him? Remember him? Uh, the guy from... Notre Dame, who was accused of sexually assaulting a woman and then eventually got cut after he abused an animal, I think, a dog. He kicked and beat a dog. Yeah, on. oh, that's right. Remember yeah, that guy? I, no, I'd forgotten, and, but, but yes. But their background that. check found he was totally fine. I could not help but think about that. The teams always find a way to say, hey, we did everything we could with our due diligence, and we took him anyway because we know more than you. Well, and, and Spiel, Spielman made a comment that I thought was damning, too. And he meant it as a defense of their process, but to me it's not. When, when he said, we know a lot of things that you don't know, which he's trying to say that we then use those things for good, right? The greater good of not to take this player because right. we know something. What I hear is this, and I think this is typical of the league itself and football teams, is we know a lot about our players and about the guys we're about to draft that, that you don't know, and as long as you don't know it, it's not going to hurt you. Well, also, you can't criticize us because we know what you don't know. And uh, that's what makes the Joe Mixon case. Can't do that to us with Joe Mixon because we do know. Well, and the right? Mixon, you know, and Mixon and Rice, uh, those situations are if you have video or footage or pictures, teams will then back away because they know that they can't justify it, right? If the yep. jo- if the Joe Mixon situation didn't exist today on video, it had never been released. Let's say. I believe he still gets probably suspended for a year. I believe he gets in trouble. I believe there's character concerns, and I believe he is a slam dunk first round pick. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I agree. Adrian yep. Peterson, that entire child abuse case came to light as a huge deal when? When the Houston PD released photos. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe so with guys like Winston. 
as long as there's not video evidence, I think teams and human beings can almost rationalize things as, you know what, give the guy a second chance. But if it's on video and you are forced to witness the gruesome details, it changes the perception of everybody. And it also makes sponsors say, I want no part of your team if you're going to deal with those people. Which uh, I will give Rick Spielman credit for saying it. I hope that he means it when he said that video or not, they don't look at it differently as a team. I don't know how that's possible to do, but I agree with him that that's how you should approach it. You should approach it based on facts. I'm not accusing the Vikings of having faulty facts on background checks or whatever. I'm just saying that around the league, I think that's how it's done. I mean, I remember Seattle drafted a guy. I forget who it was. In the third round or something who had this horrific past of uh, abusing women and things like that and they found a way to say no it was uh, our due diligence on his background carlos williams of the buffalo bills his girlfriend while pregnant posted pictures of bruises saying that he hit her and the bills said well no we looked into it it's all fine like yeah guess what the guy turned out to be a bus fire and then they got rid of him a year later so a lot of times these people with backgrounds that maybe we don't know every thing about them but when it's certain things when it's the violence or whatever else that's where it should really really make you want to back off i I would tell you right now that if if the video of mixon hadn't been released in december or did not exist at all i would not be sitting here saying that i think the wilfs have probably told spielman you can't draft him that they would have taken they would have taken whatever spielman told them and said okay right but I believe firmly that because they, I'm sure, have seen that footage, that they probably said, you're not doing this. All right. Before Just we, a guess on my part. Yeah, I know. It's a, it is a tough situation to talk about because um, I think so many people want Mixon because they see a steal. They see a Randy Moss. And I think it's a little bit different than a Randy Moss. Yeah, Moss's background was troubled, but I don't, and, and I don't know what, what went on with his life. In reality, but I know that the evidence against him at the time was immaturity, bounced from school to school, certainly been involved in some bad things, but nothing that I recall at the time was like this. Yeah, right. There was no video of him hitting someone. Yeah, I mean, nothing like this. uh, He got put in jail for weed, which now is just so laughable. Bounced from Notre Dame to Florida State to Marshall, correct? I think in that order. But anyway, it was just a lot of it was just a lot of stuff, um, which are which are maturity concerns. But yes, there was nothing this concrete. There was nothing that ownership would have looked at and said, "You ain't doing this." Right, I, and I think um, that draft steals exist because of things like this, and that's the Tyron Matthew. I wanted every team to take Tyron Matthew in the first round because he's a great player, a dynamic talent, and the guy just had a problem with smoking too much weed, which I'm guessing that a lot of college kids do. Right. Yes. And if you I I don't think it's yeah unique. I felt that that was worth a risk for a team. Maybe he smokes himself out of the NFL. That happens a lot. But maybe he cleans it up when he's got a professional atmosphere. I don't know. So for me, it was worth it for a team to take him, especially later down the board. I look at that that as way different than something when it comes to to this. Yeah, absolutely. Before we wrap it up, uh, our pre-draft purple podcast here. Miss you, Ben. Um, what is the number one goal of the Minnesota Vikings to come out with in this year's NFL draft? Number one goal. I I laid out four on our website, but what is number one for you? 
So from the draft itself, from the draft, what do itself, I want to come out with on Sunday or I guess Saturday evening? Sure, if, sure, if sure. You say mission accomplished for this draft. Okay. What will it? Ha- what will they have done to be mission accomplished? Uh, my number one goal, and this doesn't have to happen with the first pick, but if, if it happens in the scenario that you painted in the third round, I'm actually fine with it. My number one goal is to feel better about my depth on the offensive line. It really is. I mean, last year was a debacle. Last year was a disaster. You didn't have backups in place. People get hurt all the time. Uh, you looked at the draft history, and you saw basically 10 years of ignoring the line itself. You saw Khalil take in uh, fourth overall in, what, 2012, but he busted. And after that, you saw them trying to piecemeal this thing together and take late-round picks. This reminds me of the phase that the Vikings went, went through with Childress Spielman, where they kept trying to get cornerbacks in, like, the third round and after. Mm-hmm. You know, Asher Allen, he'll work out. Uh, and, and they just kept taking our Marcus McCauley, he'll work out. And you looked at these positions and you said, okay, there's some positions where you don't do that. Uh, So my number one thing would be I'm going to feel, if I'm the Vikings, I'm going to feel better about myself if on Saturday night into Sunday morning I have offensive line depth. Uh, Number Here's an interesting one for you. Number two, evidently, or three, take your pick, might be college free agency. I was shocked to hear Spielman yeah, how ba- about that? basically admit at the press conference something along the lines of, just paraphrasing here, Collar, but something along the lines of we are going to work much harder at it and almost insinuating, because I've always thought from the way they've talked before that they get right on the phone at, after the draft ends and work real hard, but the way Spielman talked yesterday, it was as if they're going to take a whole new look and stab at college free agents. And by the way, there's a lot of good players not drafted. So I guess if I feel if I can be successful in signing guys after the draft, I'll feel much better given the fact that GM essentially fessed up that for the last few years he does not feel that he's done a good job there. Which is kind of funny. I mean, they've got some decent starters who were undrafted. I don't know if he was just saying that to say it or if that's something they're really going to do. Because It was an indictment type of a statement, though. Yeah, it wasn't no, just like a, right. we're going to do a little bit more. He basically, it sounded like they're going to revamp how they think about it. Right. Which you got Andrew Sandejo was undrafted. You have Thielen um, came to the rookie camp right. and Adam Thielen unsigned. Was, right, wasn't even getting a deal at he that signed point. Signed a waiver to participate in the camp. Right, but anyway, so, that that's a place to get players. And if they feel that they've done that poor job of late, mm-hmm. then yeah, I am all for them. If they can come away on Sunday into Monday saying that they've done a better job, good for them. All right. That it? I, I'm excited about the draft. I don't know about everybody else. So we're going to do a, a purple podcast, emergency purple podcast on Saturday with Gessling, hopefully. That is correct. I'm Gessling. You're right. And you are also going to, <laughs> and we'll also both be providing coverage from Winter Park throughout the weekend at 1500ESPN.com. And uh, there'll be tons of stories go- going up. We will have high motors over the weekend. Is that it? You can guarantee I love that. the game. Yes. yes. I'm not the most talented, but I, <laughs> but I love the game. All right. That's enough. Thanks for listening. Bye.